Welcome to the Kaidas Nation. Kayak Bass Nation is presented by Dugout Bait and Tackle. Go to dugoutfishing.com to find everything you need for your next kayak bass fishing tournament. Hope you enjoy the show. Jeff Malat, Lunch Money Lambert, Also sponsored by Revo Sunglasses. Go to Revo.com, use code KBN25 to save 25% off your next order. Revo, best lenses on earth. Also sponsored by Western Sun Vodka. Go to westernsundistillery.com and use the bottle finder to find a bottle near you. All right, what's up everybody? Happy Monday. Welcome to KBN Live. we got a great show tonight. I see folks trickling in here from YouTube and Facebook. Maybe even somebody on Twitter, I don't know. Maybe a bot over there on Twitter, but yeah. uh, welcome we wherever you're watching. On that? Can we cash in on the bots before they get rid of them? I don't know, man. We need to get some KBN bots going over on Let's Twitter. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's How's it going, Ryan? How you feeling, man? Good, good. I'm here. Busy. Yeah. yeah. Busy Monday for you? Run, running around like crazy. I got I got uh, one of my buddies at uh, at Southeast Tackle. He's he's making me a custom rod, uh, Brian Backa, for uh, Co Wetzel's birthday. So, uh the birthday's Thursday, so I'm trying to put a little extra pressure on Brian to, <laughs> to get that thing done and shipped to Texas. It seems like quick. it could be a uh, interesting birthday party. It's it should be a very interesting birthday party, I think. Hey, what you got behind your head there, bud? I got the old old small jaw from Lawrence Taxidermy. Got it in and up. We are we are ready to go, fully decorated here. All right, all right, sweet. Um, I know you've been waiting on that quite a while, so. Big time. It's it's worth it. Yeah, I, I was I was hesitant, and I opened the box up, and I was like, "Dang!" Like he did it. I want him to do my mean mouth now. You know. Yeah, yeah. Got nothing uh, but time. Got a big show tonight. If you guys saw the announcement uh, yesterday, we've got DJ Jones. Who, if you anyone follows the page, uh, Ryan shared his Instagram video, which was unbelievable of him uh, pulling up on this stranded kid, just kind of floating aimlessly out in the lake, screaming for help, and he picked him up, took him to shore, and we're going to get into some of the details of that. And then All-American Series had their big three-day open at lacrosse this weekend. So we're going to have the winner of that and uh, the third-place finisher, Jeremiah Birch, because he's got a little insight from the Visitors Bureau perspective as well. So we'll get into some of that in the second half of the show. Heck yeah. So for that, we always like to talk about a few things that went down. And, and of course, shout-out to sponsors. Uh, go to the sponsors first, man. Uh, Dugout Bait and Tackle, presenting sponsor, of course. I'm sure they're they're about to be on the road heading to ICAST next week. You'll be there with them, won't you, Ryan? Whole, whole squad coming down. Find, find us. We'll be uh, we'll be shaking hands and kissing babies. There you go. Uh, Revo sunglasses, best lenses on earth. We got another Revo giveaway coming up here this month. Probably next week we'll do that. Uh, but if they're going to be at ICAST too, so they're going to have a they booth. Are. Check it yeah. out. See what they got going, and then Western Sun Vodka. They may not be at ICAST. Uh, like officially, but if Duke Trans there, he'll have a backpack full of vodka somewhere in that building. You can. They will Duke. be in ICAST, uh, whether yeah, yeah. they are advertised or not. They yeah, will be in will attendance. Smuggle some contraband up in there at some point. So we appreciate them very much. They make our show what it is. So good stuff. Uh, of course, All American over the weekend. We're going to talk about that with the winners, but there's still a few things lingering that we talked about last week. And one I said was a developing story. That really is still a developing story, but we're going to bring it up because there's been no resolution to it. Um, 
Let me kick this off here, right? Uh, number one, we talked about the, the no payment last week. Uh, some anglers reached out to us. You know, we don't, we don't know what's going on out there, but anglers reach out to us. We had an angler reach out and say they were in the Laurel Lake event back in May uh, with the uh, unfortunate marina incident for Gene Jensen, who got DQ'd, moved this man into the money, and he is still awaiting payment as of uh, yesterday. He messaged me again yesterday saying, hey, uh, no payment yet. I don't know what the deal is, um, but he is still awaiting payment. So pay the man. Whoever it is that has to pay the man, pay the man. Uh, but to add on to that, another developing story that we got last week, same, same angler involved, uh, Gene Jensen on uh, Fishing Chaos, an angler messaged me asking my interpretation of a rule for their tournament. Now, I don't fish their tournaments, obviously. Uh, Ryan doesn't either. But we've been around a bit, so people ask for our opinions and help on stuff. And there is a – it's called the Catch-22. I believe that's the name of it. It's a, basically a charity tournament, but they're giving away some high-dollar prizes. I'll throw up the, the rules screenshot here. Giving away a sportsman, a bona fide, and some other big boats. And you can do a black bass species or multi-species. Uh, all fish must be caught in the same state. Yada, yada, yada. I'm not going to read all that. Well, a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago now, I was sent this picture of these fish, which is submitted across several states. It's obviously the same picture, same fish. And this angler was very upset that they can't get any resolution to getting those fish off the leaderboard because he's busting his butt in his state and this guy has the same fish across multiple states and now it's been two weeks and no resolution so what do you think about that right uh, man uh i think i've said this a lot of times before that's why i don't fish online tournaments anyway mm -hmm. um i think it i don't know from from the snippet of rules that we were sent it kind of clearly explains you know whatever fish it is has to be submitted in that particular state. I know there are some states that like if you're fishing Pickwick, for instance, like I think you at certain areas of the lake, you can use a fish in Tennessee and Alabama, same deal with Kentucky Lake. You know, some, there's some rep, rep reciprocity yeah that's it that's the word. All right. Anyway, so there's some of that that goes, goes into some of these tournaments, but I don't think, I don't think there's like four, four states that come together on a line similar to that and from what we were told that's the same fish has made what seven appearances now in seven States? appearance and more than one fish this is just the example photo okay uh now you know we're not making any accusations here we're just simply showing you that that fish and that picture is in seven tournaments as of right now um that's a popular fish do with that what you will and hopefully that angler can get some resolution he's tried to contact a couple people with no resolution to date so we've done our part here we've made it publicly known Somebody needs to do something about that. Now, Unless now that's a rule. Now we can rest. Now we can rest. Hopefully we can get some resolution, get some payment done, get that fish taken care of one way or the other, and move forward. Get out the broom, uh, Jeff. Get out the broom. Yeah. I recommended Slay Nation moving forward for him. There you go. If he, if he wants to do some online Those stuff. Those are good guys. Shout out to Wild Bill. I'm yeah. one of his newest Instagram followers after he tagged me for not following him back uh, on their podcast the other <laughs> yeah. night. So take that, sucker. <laughs> there you go, man. Uh, Justin Redenauer said, is it accepted? I don't know what that means. I just know it's submitted across seven states. Like I said, I've never used that app for a tournament, and I don't fish those tournaments, so I don't know. We're just getting this information, asking for help from an angler, so there you go. <laughs> but did you die? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gene Bohannon says, at least it was in the act seven times. There so, you go. It's true. <laughs> Looking at the positive, Gene, I appreciate you. Gene is, is always on the up and up there, <laughs> Yeah, looking for the silver lining. All right, so with all that said, 
Uh, why don't we get on to this, this kind of feel-good story? Kind of shocking, but a feel-good story. Let's get uh, DJ Jones in here. Let's do it. Bam. Hey, DJ, can you hear us, buddy? Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I thought he just posted up a selfie or something. I was like, "Dang, he's smooth." No, I thought he was like, gonna, "Somebody Thanks paid him to do this." I thought he was going to dramatically scream for help. I didn't know what was going to happen right there. <laughs> oh man, what uh, what kind of overalls you got on there, pal? Oh, I just got some of my Under Armour Hunt bibs I got here with the Gore-Tex material, all that fun stuff to keep me dry. It's Shameless plug. Yeah, it's usually my go-to whenever I go on the kayak. Like, over the past two years, I've been kayak bass fishing. I've hated, like, having on shorts because then it's like, you know, I could have water-resistant shorts on, but then the rest of my legs and stuff are getting wet and water is, like, rolling down and skeeters are getting at me and bugs are falling <laughs> off from the trees, landing all on top of my legs. So I was like, you know, now now I'm just going to wear bibs. I don't care how hot it is or how stupid I may look. I'm just wearing my bibs inside the kayak at all times. So where are you in the country? Tell us why bibs might be appropriate where you're at, actually. Well, I am in northern Minnesota, uh, specifically Cloquet, Minnesota. So we're just 50, well, not even really 50 minutes. We're less than 30 minutes from Duluth, uh, about two hours away from Minneapolis. So we're right there. I'm right on the edge of Lake Superior. Is that where you fish primarily? Where did this video take place? So, uh, fun fact, that video took place in Duluth on the St. Louis River at the Boy Scout Landing. So that was my first time ever fishing the St. Louis River from the Boy Scout Landing. Gotcha. You were meant to be there that day. That's crazy. Honestly, I mean, that's nuts, dude. I saw it was it was Joel Blair that posted the video initially, and he's like, somebody do something with, like, you know, somebody do something with this. Like, this is nuts. And – I, I mean, I watched it and I was like, what in the world? Like, I mean, it, it's awesome that you were there and able to do that. But just watching the whole situation play out, I'm like, what? In, like, that's this is Twilight Zone stuff. Like, there's just a kid bobbing up and down, like, out in the middle of the river. Like, I mean, that's crazy. Tell us tell us how that afternoon, I, I think it was afternoon, is that right? I mean, how did that yeah. unfold there? So basically I was watching some of those uh, superior angling co. I don't know if you guys watch any of this stuff for ice fishing or fishing in general, but um, he's a great angler from my neck of the woods here. So I'd watched a couple of his videos of him fishing, you know, on the St. Louis river because being a kayak bass fisherman, primarily it's like, you know, I'm a catch and release guy, but I always get the crap from my friends from dude, you're in Northern Minnesota. You got walleye you can catch and keep. You got pike you can catch and keep. You got trout you can catch and keep. Why do you only chase the only fish that you want to throw back every time you catch it? Like, literally, you got crappies, you got brim, you got bluegill. Why? Why bad? So it's like I started ice fishing last year, and I was like, you know what? This this is this is actually kind of fun. Like, I'm going to start targeting other different species so that way I can just get a little bit more, um, become more versatile as an angle. I feel like that's something that everybody should do. Like, if you have opportunities to chase multiple species, within a certain body of water or lakes or ponds or whatever was within like your region, you know, I, I always, I'm always going to, you know, advise people to do it. So that's, that's what I was doing. That's what I set out to do on July 5th. And, um, you caught all species. There. That's for sure. It's like, you know, e even now, you know, like, um, like I told you guys before in the messages, you know, um, I was still trying to like process the whole thing. You know, um, I have a background in law enforcement, 
and uh, I do have some law enforcement experience and I work at Essentia Health, which is the largest, you know, employer in northern Minnesota. We have the largest trauma hospital in northern Minnesota as well. So um, all that experience and all that stuff came came in handy when it was time to react to that situation. But um, the best what the best way I can explain it was, you know, from start to finish. I get to the boat ramp as getting in the boat ramp, you know, I'm getting my kayak out of the back of the truck and I'm already hearing like, you know, yelling and screaming, but it's like, it's a kid yelling and screaming, like playing. Mm-hmm. And as I'm looking out in the dock, there's like the younger couple, maybe they're, they're like their early twenties, you know, um, they're married sitting there on the dock fishing. There's another married couple with their two kids, you know, just to the right of the dock, maybe another 15, 20 yards, they're fishing. And as I walk up, you know, with my, my kayak, I could look out and I could see the boy that I ended up rescuing later in the day. He was swimming in the water next to his dad's uh, his dad's sailboat, and I didn't pay anything. I didn't pay any attention to it at that point in time because it was just like you know, oh yeah, you know, like it just everything just seemed normal, like you know, because things weren't going wrong at that mm-hmm. point in time. So I get out there, I start fishing, I tie on a minnow, and. All of a sudden, like, I just feel like this little, slight little bump, this slight bump. And I set the hook, and it just instantly felt like I was hung. I was like, that's strange. Feels like I'm hung. And then my rod tip starts, like, bending, like, down into the water. I'm (laughs) like, did I hook into a log that I had enough force to lift it off of the bottom, and the current's, like, like like, taking me along with it? And I'm like... Yeah, like I'm, like I'm psyching myself out. Like, yeah, that's all I did. Like, you know, just go ahead and pop your line. But then it started like, you know, bouncing a little bit more. Like it's like something swimming. I'm like, and this, like this, like this is weird. Like, like, what do I have? And I'm like, oh crap. I probably have a sturgeon on my line right now. And I like, and I've never, I've never caught one before. I'm like, I'm pretty sure like I hooked into a sturgeon. So I'm biting this thing over the course of eight or nine minutes. And at some point, for whatever reason, I ended up looking up and I could see the dad, like, you know, he's pulling up his anchor and the kid is still like five, 10 yards away from, you know, at the boat. And then I'm just back to this fish. Like I try to call my girlfriend it's, and there's all the video stuff that I edited out. Like I, I got my Apple watch. So like I tried to call her my Apple watch, but you know, she didn't answer. So then I'm like, talking to like my GoPro because I knew I was going to release the footage because I'm like, I'm telling myself, wow, guys, like this is going to be freaking crazy if I, if I land this sturgeon. And I'm just like talking to my camera and I look up again, the dad's gone and, and the kid is somewhere, he's closer to the docks now, but I'm still not paying any attention to what's happening like in front of me. And a few minutes later, I hear a boat that is launching ask like, you know, who's watching this kid? And then I look up, and he's sort of like to the right of the dock now, maybe 15, 20 yards. And both the married couple say, oh, his dad is over there. And I look up to see his dad, and from where I was sitting at, I couldn't see him. But anywho, like, I just I just kept fishing. I'm like, I'm talking to my GoPro, my guys, like, if this is a sturgeon, like, I don't know what I'm going to do to land this fish. Like, I, I'm, I don't have a way to get a picture of this fish. Like, I don't know what I'm going to be able to do to be able to to show you guys this fish if I land a sturgeon in my kayak. Like, I'm legitimately catching almost a dinosaur because these are prehistoric fish. So it's like, 
I'm literally hooked up to a dinosaur. I'm just like talking to my GoPro. And then I heard this scream. And I just like, I, ha- I just remember having, like, I had my chest harness on, which is something that I've been using a lot more in my kayak because it's just been a little bit more comfortable rather than setting up my GoPro and my tripod like I usually do behind my uh, behind my back and to get that full over-the-shoulder view of everything that's happening, which I kind of wish in that situation that's what I did, but I didn't. And I look up, and this kid is, like, maybe 300, 350 yards on my right now, like, well away from the dock, well away from everybody else. He he probably had maybe three or four houses left before he was completely out, like into the main current. And the video I put out there is only a minute, 28 seconds. Like, you know, I don't know if you guys believe in God or if you guys are Christian, you know, but I'm a Christian. And I work out at least three to five times a week. I do my jujitsu as much as I can and stuff like that to kind of stay in shape. But for months, I had been hitting the concept roar, and I hated it. Like, I know most of you guys are probably just now following me because of the of the incident and stuff like that, but I would always post, like, how I have a love-hate relationship with this concept roar. I'm like, I hate you, but you got such good benefits. Like, <laughs> oh, I hate you, but I'm like, you know, I should avoid you right now. Like, why am I using you? And I could, I could never get that feeling, you know, like, off of me or out of my head of why like why do I feel drawn to this machine and I would always try to row as fast as I could you know for 500 meters it took me over four minutes to get to this kid rowing against the kayak like like rowing against the current and the wind and finally I get I get to this kid and I ask him like hey you all right he's like no and it's like you know and that's when he starts like saying you know uh, can you help me find my dad I'm thinking to myself like he's back there somewhere I can't see him and come to find out like he's maybe from where I got his kid at to where he was at. Once we were able to like actually physically see him, he was close to eight, maybe 900 yards away. So there was just, there was no way that I was going to be able to grab that kid and bring him all the way back to his dad. So like, I'm I'm like, I had to try to call him down and I'm asking him what his name is. And he tells me, uh, I can't remember. And then all of like the the like the experience working in the hospital and stuff like that. I'm thinking, I'm like, oh god, like this kid could possibly start having the early stages of hypothermia because he's- yeah. And explain that because you're up in Minnesota, man. That it ain't like down here where the water's 80 degrees. It's no. it's uh it's still chilly up there. I bet. Yeah, um, and that day specifically, the actual air temperature was it was only 57 degrees. Uh, yeah. Plus the, the the 15, 16, 20 plus mile an hour winds that we had and. He had been in the water prior to me showing up, so I don't, I don't even know how long his overall time of him being in the water was. Like, so, did y'all figure out what ha- was he was he swimming next to the boat when when you first were unloading, or had he just yeah. fallen out of the boat, or what? Yeah. I mean, what happened? There? He was he, he was he was swimming and playing next to the boat as I was unloading my kayak to start fishing. Yeah. And it was one of the first things that I noticed. Like, oh, that kid swimming in the river next to his dad in a sailboat. Like, yeah. you know, that's that's funny. He's enjoying himself, right? And then the event happens. But like the the first the first thing is like that I couldn't just get out of my head, which is like hearing that scream. Like I don't know if you guys have children, but when you have kids, it's like when you hear that like 
I either hurt myself or like I'm I'm scared like crapless right now like I need to get mom I need to get dad type of scream like it was like like chilling. Yeah, you can see it on the kid's face on the video right there. I mean, look at the look yeah. at him. You know, he's yeah. scared to death. And it's like I had to stop whatever I was doing and roll to this kid as, as fast as I could. And one of the first things I can remember, like upon seeing his face when I got close to him, just the amount of snot and stuff that he had that was coming out of his nose and his face and lips and all this other stuff was like was turning blue. And it was almost like he, he was starting to look like one of those characters or people off of The Walking Dead or somebody who's like really, really close, one of those Titanic type scenes. And it's like, I had to not psych myself out about it. So then that's why I had started at, like talking to him, like, okay, like, what's your name? And he's like, oh, I can't remember. And I'm like, oh, crap, this kid could possibly have hypothermia, but I can't have him freaking out because one, he's pulling on the side of my kayak. And if he pulls too far, he's going to let a lot of water in. So yeah. I can't lift him up into my kayak. And he's swaying back and forth as he's rocking, trying to hold on. So I'm like, I don't know how, like, how much longer he has left in him fighting this current. So that's when I asked him, like, you know, can you keep holding on, you know, like that? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. And I knew that when I was talking to him, I, I had to make it seem like, you know, we weren't going to be that far away from reaching shore and it wasn't going to take us a long time. Cause like in those types of moments, like, you know, you have to make minutes seem like seconds. You got to make seconds seem like milliseconds in order to keep some people calm in that situation. And he's a six year old kid fighting the currents like that in the wind. And I had to tell him, you know, I had to edit some of the stuff out, but I'm like, you know, you're a really great swimmer. Like, I'm glad you're so strong. He's like, yeah, I am. I'm like, yeah, you are like, building his confidence up to let him know that like you got this like we're gonna make it we're, we're, i'm gonna get you to shore and he's still looking back and he's worrying about like his dad and stuff like that and i'm talking to him and making the jokes with him you know like when he told me he couldn't remember what it was i'm like what are you 101 102 and he's like no and i'm like i have a son my son is six and he's like oh that's how old i am and he's like you know but I almost looked like I'm seven. You know, I grew up so fast, which was almost like in the moment I couldn't laugh, but I wanted to laugh because, like, it's true. Like, I have a six-year-old telling me the kids grow up fast. It's like, yes, 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 they do. And I'm just trying to keep them calm as best I can as I'm paddling the shore. And obviously, it's like, you know, a GoPro. I don't know if you guys have ever used them, but when it comes <laughs> to distance, it's hard to get. Yeah, it's, it's hard to gauge, right? Like. Things that can seem so up close can be very far away. Yeah. Well, when you're on the water, period, it's hard to judge distance on the water anyway. Yeah. What, no matter what you're looking through. <laughs> yeah, Ryan yeah. Ryan saw a boat ramp at Broken Bow that he thought was five minutes away, and it took him six hours to get back. <laughs> 60 miles. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. I could yeah, see it then, fine, though. Right across yeah. the flat earth, you know? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> DJ, talk about how you kept that kid calm for real because, I mean – that kayak is a, is a solid kayak, but it wouldn't take much for him to panic and flip that boat and both of y'all be swimming. Yep. So, yep. I mean, you, you had to really keep him calm to get him back to, to shore without flipping you. Yeah. And, and that was, that was the one thing, like, you know, I'm trying to think about it critically and, and think about the physics of everything because I wanted to, I honestly, my initial reaction was to grab him and bring him up into my lap. Cause I had to think about it for, as, as long as I could, I was like, if I grab him, how much water is going to come into my kayak? Like how could, much? Could, how could have been all of it. And then both of you were swimming 
you know, with right. 50 so something like, degrees out there. So then I'm like, I had to take another risk and I had to see how long he could actually hold on. Because like, I don't think I would have forgave myself if I had told this kid to hold on. And then that been his last, his, his last few moments would have been trying to hold on to my kayak as he swallows water and his body is now, you know, essentially lifeless as he's flowing with the current. And then we have another situation where you got, I have to still grab him and then perform CPR to get the water and stuff out of his mouth and out of his lungs and hopefully, you know, to get him to come back. But we didn't have to go through that. And I'm thankful and I'm glad, but there's so much, there's so much of this stuff that I had to cut out in that video is like, as I'm watching it, it's like, it took him about three to four minutes to even get up on top of that dock. Like you guys were saying, because he was just that exhausted from swimming and fighting against the current. And I've seen so many comments of people like, you know, saying, um, why didn't you just bring him to his dad? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? It's like, if you guys, like, like if I could have only fit in more than that little minute, two minute, like you guys would be able to see like the, the whole like situation. Like some people were thinking that when I said, when, when he said, well, can you bring me to my dad? And I said, his dad was back there. Like he's like 15, 20 yards behind me. Like this guy is well over seven, 800 yards behind me, you know, almost for some of the locals, they may know what I'm talking about when I say like, he's, He's almost back in the the Mondelock Resort in Superior, Wisconsin, because that river is the St. Louis River. So one section of it, you're in Minnesota on the Duluth side, and then the other section, you're over in Wisconsin on the Superior side. So there's little strips and there's little islands in between, and he had gotten blown back before you get to the bend that loops through. I wish you, you guys had. I wish I had like you know, Onyx or Navionics or something like that so I can show you, like, where his dad was at, like, geographically at that point in time. His dad was heading the wrong way. That's the, that's the main thing, right? He was heading the wrong way from where you were. Was he in a? Was he in the current, or was he? did he have the sail up? Was he under power? I, I'm just, to me, in my own little brain, mm -hmm. I'm figuring out how my kid is in the water, and I'm going mm -hmm. the opposite direction, period. I, don't, I, yeah. I can't think of a circumstance of where that's going to happen. Well, and... And that's that's what I struggled with a lot too was um like you know logically and law enforcement just based off of how I was trained in my education it's like you know you always want to know the who what when where why like how like you always want to know those situations for every single call that you're a part of because then it makes sense right so in most of my cases that I've ever done or calls that I've been on where. I've struggled with them like mentally or emotionally or something like that. It's always been, you know, I've been able to find peace with figuring out those things and understanding. But when it came down to this case, you know, we're not even really discounting what I call it a case, but like when it came down to this incident for me, it was just, um, logically, I don't get how as a grown man and as a father, I could leave my six year old son in the middle of the river, the St. Louis River, in that same exact spot, not even a year ago, a father and a daughter, which I believe, uh, if, if the headlines were correct, had drowned in that same exact spot. And wow, the father crazy. drowned trying to save both of the girls, but, you know, one, you know, ended up dying, the father ended up dying, and one of the girls was actually able to live. And it's like, you know, I, I just... I, I like I don't like I I can't rationalize anything that that guy could possibly tell me or tell CPS or, or law enforcement or EMS about why he did what he did. I I just I couldn't confirm that he said something to him prior to pulling up the anchor because I was too far away at that point. 
but it, he, he pulled up to me that's not a like that is not even on the table right like if my boat is stuck in high gear and we're going 70 miles an hour and my daughter falls out the boat's going to keep going 70 miles an hour <laughs> i'm going to get my kid like that's you know material things are replaceable i don't understand how you know that you're moving hundreds of yards away from your kid and you're like all right keep swimming i mean this isn't nemo right so like you you're not just gonna tell your kid to keep swimming to the bank like i don't know that that part just does not make any sense to me at all well before we wrap this up with dj tell us here's a, the end of that video here's the dad right there and there's the, the police and fire department stuff what he said some weird stuff at the end of that video number one but but what was the outcome after all of this do you know was there any no. any any nobody looked into what was going on there or anything like that no um i didn't and i didn't stay and i kind of regret it right now because had i been thinking a little bit more you know clearly as stressful as that situation was i would have got the you know the icr which is the incident report and i could have been able to follow up as much as i can from my perspective you know obviously you know i don't work for the duluth police department or i'm not you know ems or cps if the police department called them but um from the minute that guy got up out of his sailboat onto the dock, it just it just felt like something was off. And I just keep thinking of how blessed I was to, to get to the dock where there were people that were there. There were people that were able to eat, to get him warm, get him some blankets, start drying him off. And they had a boat because that dad still hadn't showed up. And he would have probably never showed up if it wasn't for the, me landing at that spot and getting the, the owner or one of the, the campers to hop in his boat and go told the dad back to shore. So as, and I honestly think he, I honestly think he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have came just, just based off of his reaction. Cause um, when he got off of the dock and he, if it's me, and my son just got rescued by somebody in a kayak and he's surrounded by like, you know, uh, EMS and law enforcement, you know, forget everybody and everything that's around me. I'm running directly to my kid. Oh yeah, for sure. First order of business. I'm not lying to you guys. Cause like, you know, I have this on, on my GoPro and I, I left this part out. He starts like talking in like this, it's almost like this medieval time, like court gesture type of dynamic. It's like, I suppose introductions are in order. Like that's the first thing he said, like, like legit first thing he said. And so part of that clip, it, it, it I thought maybe, and I, I asked you this when I first messaged you, I was like, he almost sounded like he might've been, you know, from a foreign country or, you know, just his speech pattern was not, normal but i mean it sounds like he was he just talks not normal for some reason but well and then he introduces himself and i i tell him my name and he points his finger at his son and he goes i heard he got nervous <laughs> yeah 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 probably did pops 
And the e well, you guys probably couldn't see this, or even if you look at the video, you zoom in close enough, you can see the EMS guy, like, like his eyebrows up, like, what did he just say? Like, you left your six-year-old kid in the middle of St. Louis River, and your first words are, I heard he got nervous. And it's like, I was the person where when your son got on the dock, I heard him tell me, you know, I'm happy I survived. Like, a six, like I never thought a day in my life I would have, like, a kid as young as he is tell me I'm happy I survived. That's great. And then the, <laughs> your dad gets there, and his first words are, are pointing a finger and saying, I, I, I heard he was nervous. Then after that, he said something along the lines of, he knows the swim to shore. We've been here before. I'm like, I'm like, wow. what? Wow. Wow. I drop him okay. off in the middle of the river all the time. It's a little game we and, play. And honestly, and when he started, like, God. I'm glad you brought that point up because after that, Jeff, he then, he then stated that you saved me from such a big hassle. I, so that part was in your video, and I heard that, yeah. and I was like, who yeah. in the hell says that? Like, right. a hassle? Yeah, 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 I'd say he did save you from a hassle. And, what was, and the hassle was looping back around to pick him up? What was Going the, what was to the jail for child neglect. Like, I mean, golly. Yeah. Wow. And then, and, and then after that, like, he, he starts talking about, and I want to say with 100% certainty, he starts talking about, um, because I, like, I had to pick him up and walk him all the way to shore, and it's such a long time. And it's so, so like I'm thinking in my head as he's telling me this. I'm like, so you bastards, you've done this before. Yeah. By the, by the way you're talking about because you didn't walk him to shore today. Yeah. I'm like these triceps and biceps in my shoulders that I'm feeling right now is, is proof that you didn't walk him to shore today. That's crazy, so, man. What a crazy so, story. Yeah. And then he does the whole thing where he's like, you know, um, thank you. Like, thank you. Like, you know, like. A thousand times more and something like that um but i'm sure i'm needed you know elsewhere and then he stops and puts his finger up but we may see each other in the future again sometime i'm like next time i drop my kid off <laughs> I, like and if it wasn't for me having it on video i wouldn't believe it but it's like that legitimately happened he, that like those were his words like I don't have no tech crew or, or camera crew to, to, you know, fancily edit my videos or any of my videos. That's probably why I don't have a bunch of followers. That or my content just sucks. But, anywho, he, from my perspective, he didn't show any ounce of care. He didn't, he didn't, sh like, he didn't show, like, he did everything that a neglectful and uncaring parent would do to their child in that situation yeah. like I, it was uh something to see and, and i'm so glad you came on here to share it with us uh you know if you're going to do a long longer version of that video and put it on youtube later i'd love to watch all of, more of the details as well yeah. Uh, but yeah well done to you man i mean unbelievable that you stepped in and helped that kid i you know i don't know what else to say about it what do you think ryan uh i mean right place right time like you you know i feel like that was you were put there to do that and that's awesome 
you know, I, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I feel like we need to, we need to, I, I'd like to do something for you, man. I really would. Uh, we'll put something together here. Uh, KBN, we're going to post a link, uh, kind of rally the troops, uh, see if we can't, um, you know, send DJ a little instant karma. We're also going to send you a pair of Revo sunglasses, one of the show's sponsors. Uh, you know, I know you're not asking for anything, but that's that what you did is, is amazing. I mean, there's, there's not enough, you know, gratitude in the world from anybody. I don't think that was, that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. yeah man. So we're going to let, let you slide out of here. We got a couple more guests waiting for the second half of the show, but unbelievable story, man. And thanks for taking the time. And you guys can go follow him at DJ Jones outdoors. Is that right? On Instagram? Yep. DJ Jones outdoors. There you go. Go find him on Instagram. You can see the video there. And, man, once again, thank you for taking the time to share your story with us. We appreciate it, man. Anytime. Take care, bud. Wow. Woo. Unreal. Boy. All right. We've got our next guest. They've been patiently waiting here. And I know uh, the, the champ, he's got to work tonight, so we can't keep uh -oh, him too uh -oh. long. Uh-oh. Shoot. All right. Yeah, let's get him in here. Bam, bam. All right. Gentlemen, thank hey. you for patiently waiting. Uh, Jeremiah maybe froze up, but he'll hopefully break loose here in just a second. We'll wait for him to come back in. Uh, Laura, how you doing, man? Thanks for taking the time and waiting, waiting in the waiting room there while DJ finished his story. Oh, no, it's okay. I, I'm i doing good. I actually work tomorrow, not tonight. So oh, tomorrow. Okay, good. I good. just sleep early. Okay, you got to get to sleep early. Do you, you, gotta, you work like third shift? Is that what you said or no? No, I work days, but I, days? I do 12 hours. Okay, 12 hours shift. Wearing people out. I got you. All right, man. Let me see if I can get Jeremiah back in. He's having some trouble with his connection. But, uh, he in Arkansas, the Arkansas boy, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> but hey, we got we got Laura on here because he just fished that three day grind up there on the uh, the Mississippi River in La Crosse, and grind. he took home the title. Basically, held it down for three straight days. There wasn't much doubt, you know, going into day three that he was going to take it home. Although Tyler tried to push you there. There's Jeremiah. <laughs> uh, so we want to get you in here and talk about that three day event, and then we're going to talk about Jeremiah and his third place finish, of course, and talk about a few other things with him, but. Let's get into it, man. Are you from, you from up that way, I presume? Uh, yeah, I, I actually uh, live in town here. I was born and raised here. Okay. So this is okay. my local home waters. Uh-huh. All yeah. right. That makes more sense then. That, that's ah, good. That don't always happen like that. I can't manage to catch a limit on my home waters, so <laughs> hats off to you, champ. Yeah, it doesn't always go down like that, so props for holding it down to, for the home hometown fellas there. That's good. So tell us like about there's more pressure on your home waters, yeah. Oh, yeah, especially yeah, yeah. when you have a lot of out of town guys in and, you know, they may be pre-fishing your stuff or whatever. Or they come in with a fresh set of eyes and maybe see some things that, you know, where you're fishing more history, they're, they're fishing current conditions. Yeah. They, every weekend there's at least like, you know, whether it'll be little local derbies or, um, just even big events that Jeremiah brings in. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, I guess it's good for lacrosse too, you could say. Um, but I've noticed it's gotten harder to stay on top of the fish because the fish they've seen so long. So, yeah. Yeah. Were you on largemouth or smallmouth just out of curiosity? Because I've I heard the smallmouth up there really move a lot generally. Yeah. You. A lot of people say the fish moves a lot, which is true because they follow the bait, but they do move, but they only move like a few couple hundred yards. Not bad. Yeah, you've never been up there, have you, Ryan, for any of the tournaments? No, 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 no. That's uh, that's a long way for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
I'm going through his uh, limit. Looks like a bunch of green fish in grass. Oh, I, I do like the grass. I heard. I heard. Yeah. I heard it's a a pretty fun grassy bite. You find some flats and some ditches and stuff running through them, and and you can oh, pretty yeah. much work it all day waiting on those fish to to hit the travel corridors there. Yeah. So tell us about it, man. You, you obviously was home cooking. So did you just go back to history, or did you practice hard for this one uh, uh, leading up? Well, I was only going to have one day to practice, but somebody picked up my um, one of my shifts. So I had only two days of practicing, but I mostly, I went all day. It was what, Wednesday that I went out. I practiced all day Wednesday, um, pretty much from sunup till sundown. I went out all day. I covered a bunch of waters, I fished stuff that was like completely new to me that I had never seen. But I knew that um, the, local, the, the other tournament that came in town, they had what it was like 80 something inches only. And, you know, those guys were, it was the kayak bass league. So I kind of, I kind of was like, if they only had about eighties, I know, I knew I needed about 85s, like high 85s to be, you know, consistent. So that's what I went for. And all it took was just, you know, one fish to kind of tell me what they were doing. And I just pretty much um, follow that pattern throughout the, the days and i ran one pattern the whole day each time the fish reloaded where i was so yeah and the all-american crew i mean most of those guys have fished lacrosse before like not many of yeah. them are strangers to lacrosse because they fish several trails that that swing up into that area so it's not like you were fishing against people from across the country that hadn't seen it before so you probably you know <laughs> we're gonna need to bring bring a little heat yeah, I mean, I felt like I had to just just stay on top of things because I knew Tyler Tyler Cole. He's he's a good guy. He's a good fish, uh, fisherman, and he's great at what he does. But you know, I, I was just kind of telling myself that man, one of these one of these days, I gotta just go out there and do my thing and just fish. Because if I let it get to my head, you already lose before you start. You know, it's, yep. it's a mind game out there, and it's the decisions you make that counts. So, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. And it was a three-day tournament. This was their three-day event of the year, so that makes it even harder to, to kind of stay oh, yeah. on fish, yeah. uh, manage fish or whatever for three days. How did uh, that work? What was the what was the setup there? Was it full field three days, or how did they work it out there? I, I believe it was a full, um, a full three days. So at least they, for me, they, I had a total of five days to fish, one extra long day. That's Wednesday, um, but yeah, it's a full full three days, and yeah, that's I yeah. Mean, that's all I can say, really. Yeah, Lore wasn't worried about this part, Ryan, but there was a cut down after day two, to thirty five, <laughs> top thirty five. He wasn't getting cut down. He wasn't worried about that. He was riding. <laughs> he was riding high. He wasn't paying no attention to those numbers. Uh, so they did a cut down, which is interesting, and I kind of like that. Uh, even though there's tons of water to fish on those three pools up there. It still, you know, guarantees that you're not going to have somebody stumbling on your juice, uh, or not guarantees, but cuts the chances mm -hmm. of somebody stumbling yeah. on your juice on day three. So, um, Jeremiah, thank you. Uh, you got your connection issues figured out, it looks like. So, yeah, it's on my phone, like my computer, my internet sucks. So, let's use <laughs> yeah, up man. that data. We're used so, to it. That's another another home hometown angler. I mean, legit hometown right there in Lacrosse. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of what you actually do up there in Lacrosse. Uh, yeah 
before the show's over. But tell us about your event, man. Come, you know, tournament coming to your town, and, and you had to show up as well. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, what you said is really true about uh, the home field stuff. Like two weeks ago, fished that KBL tournament, and I put up a whopping sixty-six inches. Um, you know, and <laughs> it was terrible. I fished, you know, some old history. That that week during practice, though, I put up 93 inches of smallmouth in a half hour that I stumbled <laughs> upon. And I mean, it was unreal. Was and, um, you know, so I went chasing them. I knew they weren't going to be there, but I figured they'd be somewhere close. They weren't. And so I, then I was just behind people and it just didn't work out, you know? So, but yeah, 82 inches won that event. And, um, I, I knew it was going to be better than that, but, um, it, honestly, I had terrible practice. I had two days to practice. That was it. I hadn't fished since that tournament two weeks ago. Um, the water is much lower. I mean, it's at normal pool, but it's just been so high the last few years. It's just a lot different. And the eelgrass this year is out of this world. Um, it just is, it sets up a lot different. And that's a funny thing about this river. It just changes so much. You got to change with it. Even every day for me, those fish, they bit very differently and I had to figure it out each day. Um, day, day one, I actually practiced, uh, new water. And in my practice, I caught my biggest fish in practice was a 16 inch fish. And so that's where I fished. Um, I started on a little sand drop and the smallmouth were small there. They're just little tiny dinks. And so I kind of moved on to a pad field and caught a couple 17s in there um, on day one and then moved on and fished some cut banks and some other frog stuff and put together a decent limit day one, uh, day two smallies i started in the same spot all three days the smallies were tiny again and nothing there the pad field the water dropped a couple inches and the pad field was gone there's nothing in there and then i literally went searching new water and stumbled into this like confluence of a bunch of stuff coming together and it was loaded with largemouth in there and i caught them all on a a top toad they were on like every piece of eelgrass that was just kind of like in the middle of the yeah middle of everything and there were some smallmouth busting too i caught a couple of those but they were little um and then after i you know got a decent limit there i went and flipped some cut banks and stuff like that and pretty much did the same thing on day three um but day three <laughs> i fished that confluence hoping there'd be something there and there was nothing initially and uh i came back like two hours later and they were loaded in it and really yeah had the at, water point, changed or anything? I don't think the water changed at all. I think they just kind of moved up onto it, like feeding time stuff. Mm -hmm. I All my keepers came after 11.48 on uh, Sunday, the, the third day. Um, I had like a 16 and a half was my biggest at the time. And then, I mean, I had a picture of an 8-incher at the time um, because I was worried about angler of the year points, like in doing everything I could just keep some points. And, uh, yeah, I end up coming back up into that thing and and caught the snot out of them and caught a I don't know 17 and a half or something like that and a bunch of 15 and a quarters and um and then from there I went and flipped a cut bank that I had flipped for three days and hadn't had anything but one pike bite and I got an 18 and a quarter off of it um went to another area caught another one on a couple more 16 and three quarters and then another 18 and a quarter on a top toad so it uh, ended up working really good those last couple hours, but it was trash up until that. <laughs> Laura, what did you catch your fish on? What was what was kind of the pattern that you put together? Um, my pattern was really just top toed because I don't know what it was with that like flappy frog. 
but they love that bubbly stuff. But like in the morning when I chased smallies, it was, I used a Whopper popper. I only had one. I didn't have time to go um, get another one, but it was, it had to do, had to do something with that, uh, that like bubbly, the noisy that they liked a lot. Because if you, mm -hmm. if you use like a, a chug bug or like a SB 150 or whatever, they won't touch it, you know, but I'm sure any top water, wherever you are, it's going to work. But my, my key player was my Texas rig. I went back to the old, my, my old roots of when I started bass fishing and I started with like Texas rigging a lot, but with all these things coming out now, it's, you know, I just, I just went with my roots, Texas rig. What, what do you like to throw on a Texas rig? What bait are you throwing? Ooh, that's a, that's a good ah, trade secret. Oh, okay. Okay. Cross some sort of soft plastic i presume that's about it's all we're gonna get no it's a it's a crankbait he's actually oh. throwing a texas rigged square bill it's gonna top, be the top a toad rig, hollow body frog. Top all right no, the top toad was texas rigged all along no genius i never would have thought of that really yeah it's the flapping that's, on the way to the bottom that's the, the key uh so were you flipping that texas rig around that eelgrass or running an eelgrass eelgrass pattern like jeremiah or were you doing your own you had a different was, deal going you know like when i when i was pre-fishing i I found some stuff that basically the eelgrass was just kind of coming over. It had to be a little bit of current and um, the fish, they were all relating to rocks. So it had to be rocks and a little bit of sand, eelgrass, and then whatever dark spots you see in there, you just flip in there as, I mean, I had to literally like throw my bait right up to shore. And as soon as a fish saw it, if it was there, it was going to eat it no matter what, because each smallmouth I caught, their stomachs, like when I put them on the boat, like basically what was coming out of their their um, rectum was just like nothing but crayfish. So I, when I was pre-fishing, I saw that and I saw a claw, so I knew that, you know, I mean, lacrosse is known for that. So. Oh, yeah, that old rectum pattern, I got you. Yeah. Check the rectum and then you Always. know. Every time you get one, you got to check the rectum. That's a, that's a rule of mine. Yeah. Were you catching them? I wrecked them. <laughs> wrecked them hell, then you killed wrecked them. wrecked them there for sure. Each spot I stopped at, they were like either there or whenever I came back, they were, they were just back there again. They're loaded. But I, I caught a few like 17-inch fish pre-fishing. I left it alone. And then I knew that if I came back, they'd probably be there because like, Fish and eelgrass, they go hand in hand. In my Were you on a steeper bank, or was this a shallow bank, and they're up there in a foot of water just waiting on something to, to bounce around? Foot, about a foot to two foot of water. God, that's crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Tricky smallies. I, I fished some of that wing dam stuff, throwing a spro, like little John MD, and all I got was just little, like, small smallies, so I knew that. If I stuck with that pattern, it's not going to be winning. So I learned a hard lesson on the wing dams there last year when I was there for the BOS. I had a great day one on one of those wing dams, and then it just kind of disappeared on me on day two and turned into dinks. So I learned not to rely yeah. on that when I come back. Uh, Jeremiah, tell us about that fishery, or both of y'all can comment on this, but that's a wild place, man. It's different than anything else that I've been to you know, down here in the southeast or any place else in the country. Uh, tell us a little bit about that because the 16 to 18 inch fish are plenty up there if you can get on the right deal uh, and it's just a wild place to fish so tell us a little bit about it yeah it's, i mean it's really unique i mean it's 
Laura kind of mentioned it before, those fish, they just relate to current so much. And so the water levels change constantly. Uh, you know, you get a little rain up north, the water's going to go up or whatever. So those fish are always moving. Um, I'll agree. I, I don't think those fish usually move far, at least the largemouth. But smallmouth, man, I bet those, I think they move like crazy. I think they move they miles crazy. at a time. <laughs> um, you know, I, I really do. I don't think they stick anywhere even. They just roam. That's what they do, you know. And, um, but no, it's it's a, it's a great, it, it has a little bit of everything. Um, they're very shallow oriented fish, but there is some deeper stuff that you can definitely fish and, and do well. You know, uh, I think the Elite Series has shown that a couple of times with the, Aaron Martins has taken a second, like every time they were ever here, I feel like, um, and he was fishing like a 30 plus foot hole or whatever, you know, and there's a handful of those that you can find and he's doing different things, but definitely you can catch them a thousand different ways here. Uh, there's a ton of quantity. I mean, they judged what was 1100 plus fish. And I guarantee you there were three times that that actually caught. I mean, I only, you know, I only submit when I get a quality fish and just save the pictures and, you know, just to save time uh, for me. Like if I'm catching, you know, 12 to 14 inches, even 15 inches, I don't usually submit them until I have to. And I guarantee you 3,000 plus fish were caught by the 68 anglers here. It's, it's crazy. There's so many fish. I, I and, would agree with that. Yep. Yeah. And it, it's cool. Like. There's definitely, like I said, I'm 93 inches of smallies in a half hour. There's some giants here. Um, you know, there's a, a, a boat tournament a couple of weeks ago that 22 pounds won it. I mean, there's, it's big fish too, especially for up north, but the quantity is just, it's unbelievable. And you just got to find those right ones. And yep. um, I think either high water or low water, it tends to congregate them a little bit more because um, you either eliminate a lot of water, like either way you're eliminating a lot of water um and yeah i mean it's just a it's a fun place that's for sure and there are a lot of dinks but there are a lot of great fish too in something ryan you hadn't been up there man but one thing i don't think people appreciate because i didn't until i got there the first time is how big the mississippi river i mean it it is a massive just one pool you know is enough to have a you know big tournament on and you guys usually usually these tournaments have run on three or four well three Three, two or three pools. Uh, I mean, the river is so wide, so massive, and so many little hidden, you know, sloughs and creeks and whatever. Uh, it's just an unbelievable place to go. I, I love coming up there. I love the town. I love coming up there. It's it's a cool spot. Yeah, it is. Laura, um, what do you think as far as this tournament went and the the All American series overall? Like, you know, how was the tournament ran? You know, what's what's your feedback on it? Um, I thought the tournament was. Uh, I fished with them in um, in Iowa, Lake Okoboji. Um, I like how it was ran. It was, it felt like it was just like the Bass Kayak Series that came in town here too. It was pretty much like the same setup. So I felt like they did a good job on their end. Um, I don't think I would change anything really. I like how it was held at the Pearl Street Brewery so you could get some <laughs> drinking after at the watering hole. There you um, go. But I, I, overall, I, I like them. I think I would try to fish with them next year, like follow the series, if my work schedule works with it. So Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Bob Baylor won the sheep's head pot, Ryan, is what I got from Get this it, comment. Bob. He, he was wrecking the them. Coon King himself, Bob Baylor. Yeah, yeah he, he was on the sheep's head. I guess he was cranking rocks and catching drum. Um, 
Jeremiah, tell us, you know, some folks know, but what, what is your, your job up there? Because you're a kayak angler, obviously, but, but your job is to attract events like this, right? Yeah. So yeah, my job is, uh, I work for the lacrosse County convention visitors bureau. We do businesses explore lacrosse, which is the tourism entity here in town. My job as a director of sports and events is literally to bring in sporting events to lacrosse. And we have an incredible resource here in the Mississippi river and have hosted, you know, the elite series of four, five times, I think since 2012, we have them back coming here in August 26th through the 29th. Um, we've hosted, you know, major league fishing's first ever red crest and a bunch of other, you name it. We've pretty much, we've hosted it. And, um, I mean, that's how I got into kayak fishing. I brought a KBF event up here for the first time and um, just went out fishing with Chad the, you know, the day before just to, for fun. I'd never been in a kayak fishing before. And he's like, you should, you should really fish this event. And I'm like, nah, man, I don't want to do that. It's a conflict of interest, I feel like, isn't it? And he's like, nah, dude, it's fine. Go for it. So he let me borrow his kayak. And, <laughs> nah, buddy, we love when you cash checks. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I Shit, I'd never done it before. I'd never fished a tournament. I, dude, until 2017, I was more of a crappie angler than anything. I grew up fishing smallmouth on a little river, but that was about it, you know. And the just the whole process of the the tournament and like tourney X and seeing the leaderboard and stuff. I was a pole vaulter in college. I was an all-American in the pole vault here at UW Lacrosse, and so that competition aspect, the camaraderie of the the this community the kayak community is a lot like that pole vault like you're always wanting everybody to do you're always rooting for everybody else but you want to do better you know um you're not ever really wishing ill upon anyone um so it's you want everybody to have a great day so i felt like it just meshed really well with how you know i felt about competition and stuff and so that was awesome for me and i was immediately hooked but um uh, but yeah that's literally my job is to bring sports to lacrosse I mean, anything from youth soccer to big fishing events. And we host the state track and field championships for the high school here. And we've hosted division three national championships for wrestling. And I mean, everything in between, you name it. I feel like there's a lot of pole vaulting in the pro staffs of kayak fishing. So that's right. <laughs> that's, that's a feel right at home here. Different sport. Slightly different pole vault. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Slightly different. Are those checks behind you? Uh, those are those off the old home pond. Some are, some aren't. Um, a couple are. Oh, I got an Okaboji one over there. I got uh, a couple Mississippi River on pools thirteen and fourteen for when I had gone down there for the first time ever. And um, but this year I'm fishing more of the All American Kayak Series. Just schedule wise, it's been tough to get out. I have. I mean, I went down to Arkansas and I went down to that uh what is that that kbf cup event that they did and um, um uh, ryan's like washita washita yeah 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 you keep that place yeah it sucked, but, <laughs> buddy road you know, yeah that's a tough that, was a, that was a tough event for sure but then uh the other one that was on uh where, where were we at naked jack too you, you fished that ryan didn't you didn't you finish like i i did got second finished. in that one man second, i was a quarter yeah. quarter inch so, out of the w on that one <laughs> dude that's that's the so i remember you saying i thought it was you and this this cracked me up then and i still remember it you said that you fished smallies when you were on the stage you're like I, yeah. yeah i targeted the smallmouth because i knew where they were going to be and i'm like what the the because oh, yeah. <laughs> up here you 
don't know where they're going to be. They <laughs> move so much. Like that's these not these old Tennessee River that. brown fish, they stay they stay put. There's not on the Tennessee River. There's only so many places they're going to go. Like they're staying, yeah. you know, near the current. And TVA is pretty good about putting a schedule out for the current, whether they stick to it or not. But right. you know where the brown ones are going to go. So for for me, I would much rather target brown fish if it's in play and there's only you know spring of the year is about it they're gone y'all can go catch smallmouth you know whenever you want to bump into them but down here it's pretty much uh it's slim pickings after after about yeah. may oh, i just cool. remember that and i was just like dude there's no like i and then i realized it like looking at the maps and stuff yeah i get it they they don't have the expanses like we do though they can get the heck out of there no so. they they don't play around on the lake too much Right. That was a good tournament. That was a fun tournament, I will say. It was. Yeah. So we had some uh, we had some some of our uh what the kayak fishing league, is that it? KFL guys. They fish Nickajack. The Tennessee Shiners fish Nickajack this weekend and got smoked by a bunch of guys from Detroit. So what's happening, Tennessee Shiners on Nickajack? I'm glad you brought up Nickajack. That's a sore spot in my crawl right now. <laughs> Somebody, uh, I saw somebody made a graphic and called them the Tennessee Winers after that. The Tennessee Winers, yeah. Bless their hearts. Um, Jeremiah, I wanted to ask you a question, you know, regarding your, your ooh, you got some spotted cow in your hand. Look at this man right here. Rub so that, face. so that there. right there Maybe, lost is my train one of reason I do want to go fish lacrosse. <laughs> to get some spotted cow our home office ge home office is in waukesha so i used to drink my weight in spotted cow which is enough uh when i would go up there for any kind of training event that's worth the drive yeah you made me lose my train of thought but i wanted to ask you uh as somebody that recruits events you know what are you looking for because there's you know as these organizations grow they're looking to go to new cities and find new places to go and i'm sure visit all visitors bureaus kind of work in a similar fashion what are you guys looking for? What's attractive to you, you know, to bring value to your city? Obviously, we're looking for our return on investment, right? So um, what I usually do with any, almost any sporting event now, it's hotel room nights. So for a, a place like us, we're called the Destination Marketing Organization. For a DMO, we're funded through hotel and lodging tax, okay? So the more room nights that we get, the more you know monetary support that we may be able to give now there are other factors like media value um you know things of that nature that can definitely play into it again this is why I, fishing tournaments are just a, a gem for us again we have an awesome resource but the anglers it's not a basketball court right you can't come in and show up that day and play basketball you have to go and practice for three days to figure out what the hell is going on on every body of water because they're so different and they change so much. So we get all those overnights from, uh, you know, from practice, we, you know, the lodging of a three day event, four day event, whatever. Um, so obviously the more overnights, the, the better for us. Um, again, media value is huge, big tournaments like the, you know, again, the elite series and stuff like that. Now that they're live on Fox sports, you know, is absolutely huge for us when we have them up here and, um, you know, at the end of August. Uh, so stuff like that, that, that stuff goes a long ways um, to really, you know, be what's beneficial and what we see. The other cool thing about, again, stuff like fishing is the ripple effect um, that is provided from that media value. You know, Bass sees 7 million website hits a week of a tournament and 
um, they're seeing lacrosse on every one of those and you guys are seeing it and everybody else is seeing it and all those users are like man we got to go up there look at how many fish they're catching that looks so much fun let's take the kids we're going to make a weekend out of it the town is amazing it's a great place for families let's go you know like and so that ripple effect which is really hard to measure um but we do see it the one thing i've done to kind of track that is is looked at non-resident licenses in the last since 2012 when um when we started bringing in big tournaments and they've skyrocketed the non-resident uh, licenses so i'll give you this ripple effect man i know that uh in my retirement plans which aren't too far down the road uh i plan to spend summers up there because i think it's such a cool place and literally a cool place in the middle of july and august yeah. uh, and then head head down south to the beach in the winter time so i got i got plans to come back to lacrosse like hey it. let me ask you this man anybody ever uh, try to mess with you and fudge the numbers on heads and beds and that kind of stuff and attendance numbers to try to, to squeeze you for more not really more support? I mean, most, in this industry it it's a small big industry you know um if you do something that you shouldn't be doing you're everybody else is going to find out and i'll call the next place that you're headed to and that's so that stuff doesn't really happen anymore like it, it did happen and there are, it still tends to with certain things but now for the most part it's it's pretty pretty good people that i work with and uh i mean like it's easy to tell how many people fished a tournament i can go on and look at the results like and i prorate it's one thing i do is i prorate uh, a lot of like you know the tournaments like or any sporting event for that matter because everybody oversells hey yeah we're gonna bring in 150 boats co anglers and whatever okay sounds good you want 20 grand no hell no i'm not doing that you know whatever but here's what i can do you know and i whether it's 10 grand or five grand or whatever it is uh for 150 boats and then you know back it off to 2500 dollars per 25 boats or whatever and and down um and that, so that's what I do with every tournament and other sports in general. So, very cool. I got burned really bad one time when I first started with an event that promised like 100 boats, and they showed up with 27. And uh, and even the week of, we had to provide the food and everything. And they're like, "Yeah, no, we got, you know, we got 80, 80 guys that are going to be here. There's only like 28 signed up right now or something, but we got our staff, and there there's more coming. I know that you know I got verbal commitments from everybody." And so we had to pay for all that food and it got thrown out and we wasted all that money and we had a big monetary thing from the get-go and it was a contract that was signed before i started but i i saw that and i was like that's never going to happen again yeah that's brutal yeah lore has a feel to live i mean ryan gets to to live in this kind of land because he lives over in the tennessee river valley pretty much where he, you've got all these tournaments that are happening nearby all the time like ryan would it be fair to say that you could fish all the tournaments you wanted to and never have to really drive out of the tri-state area i mean if you didn't want to now you're on mute you're on mute like i was saying if you just <laughs> wanted to fish everything that came by yes i mean you know yeah, every yeah. series or whatever i could stay here at home and probably fish i don't know 10 or 12 big events a year yeah so lower you're in the same situation being up there on the mississippi yeah, river I mean, there's always stuff coming to you in there yeah, there's always stuff coming, you know, to lacrosse here. Um, I guess if I wanted to go lake fish, like in Minnesota, there's plenty of lakes up there, 10,000 lakes. Um, <laughs> if I wanted to go, like, eastwards, I could, there's some lakes out there, you know, that's pretty good, too. Otherwise, you know, here we have the, in God's country, here we have 
the river. So I'm really thankful for that. It's right in our backyard here. And I go out whenever I can. That's it, man. You got you got spotted cow, cheese curds, and the Mississippi River. What else do you need? <laughs> That's all about it. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, or as R.J. Hoover said, cheese balls. That's what he calls them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Yeah. Ryan, you got anything else for these guys before we let them get out of here tonight? I know they're three days of tournament fishing. I don't. Congrats. Not, congrats on cashing the checks up there on, you know, it seems like a, a really – diverse kind of fluctuating fishery so way to stay on them and get that money jeremiah congrats to you for you know being part of kind of bringing all this stuff to to where it is man without tourism guys we'd be stuck really yeah i appreciate that speaking of um you know we got the hobie coming that's not at the lacrosse this year but it's uh it's still up here in wisconsin the wolf and fox rivers dude we uh you know we want to keep growing the these numbers up here up north so that we can keep these big events these national events here so you guys in the midwest if you're watching please sign up uh you guys traveling come on up the wolf and fox i only fished the wolf once but it was a lot of fun there's a lot of fish there um kind of similar to here a lot of those 16 inchers plus you know 16 to 18 inchers lots of them um and i know the fox from what i hear is better um so definitely come check it out have a lot of fun Wisconsin's a great place. There's a lot of spotted cow. You can drink your little hearts away. You guys can get into bar fights. We got a lot of bars. You know, play some pool, talk some smack. Come on. Let's get this man's up here. a salesman, Ryan. He's a salesman. I know. Damn it, I'm in. Right. So we'll see all you guys up here, please. Hopefully. Oh, man. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this thing up. We'll come back at you next Monday. Maybe a little iCast talk next week. Yeah. Uh, but good show tonight. Thanks, everybody, for watching on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you're at. Thank you. Take care, fellas. Yep. Cheers.